Hello, I'm Kenny Smith, and this is The Best Story I've Heard Today, a podcast for news junkies. We know you can't possibly see all of the great content being produced, so we're bringing you a story that you might have otherwise overlooked. Our guests each day tell us about the best story they've found today. And today we're pleased to welcome back to the program Robert Quickly, who is a professor of journalism at University of Texas and the innovation director there. Robert, thanks for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me back, Kenny. Tell us about the story you found, Professor, and tell us why the rest of us should read it as well. So it's a story in The Atlantic uh, titled The Most Important Self-Driving Car Announcement Yet, which is a pretty bold title because there's been a lot of self-driving car announcements. Uh, But this one comes from Waymo, and Waymo is a uh, subsidiary or a smaller part of Alphabet, which owns Google. And so this is Google's self-driving car you know, effort that we've been reading about for almost a decade now. Uh, they're taking the biggest step they've taken yet. And so on Tuesday, they announced that they are buying 20,000 electric self-driving SUVs from Jaguar. Now, these, uh, these SUVs are really cool looking, and they get 200 miles between charges, and they charge in 40 minutes. And so we're talking like Tesla-level cool, right? And a lot of the news stories out there about these cars have been really focusing just on how cool they are and and how they are in comparison to Tesla and all that. Uh, This story really takes the tack of what does this mean? And uh, the author concludes, and I think correctly, that this means the future uh, that we've been kind of talking about here and there is really going to hit us in in about two years. And two years is fast. Uh, It's too fast for planning uh, by cities. It's too fast for consumers to realize uh, what kind of change we're looking into uh, with uh, daily life if this comes through the way that uh, Waymo thinks it will. Uh, And it may be too fast for uh, government regulators. And so there's there's a, a lot of questions here Uh, that we're going to have to answer really quickly, or uh, there's a lot of things that are just going to happen, and uh, we'll have to figure it out after the fact. After the fact seems to be part of the issue right now, where you're seeing some of these tests done in various countries, or various states, rather. Uh, There was a lot more testing going on in California. The regulators wanted to get more involved. Arizona said, that's no problem. Come over here. Less regulation. Test there. And now we have this fatality, what is believed to be the first autonomous car caused fatality just a few days ago. I mean, this this is two interesting and conflating stories, particularly yeah. as it gets to regulation. Yeah, and that, you know, that was unfortunate timing for, for Waymo, obviously, uh, as they're making this big, you know, multi-billion dollar, uh, you know, move here, they, they suddenly run into uh, really bad headlines. And the bad headlines are for Uber, uh, which is not, you know, part of Google's self-driving car initiative. Uh, and, uh, you know, they did, they did have a self-driving car at night hit a woman who was uh, crossing the street, not in a crossing guard, uh, walk, a crosswalk, but still uh, something that most experts say any good self-driving car system should have avoided. And so, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. The Atlantic story uh, kind of paints Waymo as not worried about that. Like, they're very confident in their safety. Uh, they've been testing longer than anyone else that's been uh, trying this, you know, basically since 2009. Um, they are, they've done, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of simulations of driving uh, with uh, either other autonomous cars or with human drivers around them and with people walking across the street and all that. 
so they spent a lot of money and a lot of time thinking through the safety issues here. And it felt like the, the author of this article kind of like thinks they do have it figured out. And maybe even it's going to be too safe uh, in that, you know, they'll be way safer than human drivers, which frankly are not very good as an aggregate. And uh, does that mean cities would look at this and say, uh, you know, hey, we need to get people out of their cars and get them into these into these uh, self-driving cars. Uh, they're more eco-friendly, uh, they're safer, all of that. And that opens its own can of worms, which I, I guess I hadn't really thought of before. But the article gets into some interesting things there. The Atlantic article you've brought us does a nice job of getting into some of those data points, incidents per miles. And if you, you read it, it makes sense. If we talk about it here, we probably start to sound like an actuary very quickly. So I'm going to change tracks. I can't afford a Jaguar. So what, do I, what am I going to do? Well, you know, so Waymo is, you got to think of it kind of like Uber or Lyft in that uh, the service that they're going to put out is not to sell you these Jaguars, okay. it's to sell you an experience. And so uh, the, if you go, if you click through the link from the story, it goes to the, the Medium post that, uh, that Google wrote or that Waymo wrote that uh, talks about, you know, their excitement over this whole thing. And a couple things caught my eye from that. You know, they led the story, their, their blog post with, uh, you know, imagine needing to take your kids to soccer practice and you click an app and a Chrysler minivan shows up at your door with nobody driving it, of course. You all hop in the minivan and get to soccer practice. Uh, later that night, you want to go on a date with your wife, uh, you hop in the Jaguar uh, that shows up at your house. Uh, maybe you want to take a nap on your way to work. There's a car specifically outfitted for napping. Uh, they said that this will be the ultimate goal is that uh, basically Waymo's the driver, so everything is tailored to the passenger, which cars are not built that well right now. If I look at this then through the diffusion of innovations model, the Everett Rogers theory, since you're a director of innovation, it sounds like the marketplace is deciding they're going to be both innovators and early adopters and perhaps the early majority here. Like, they're providing me a service. I'm not going to purchase a car. You're seeing more and more options like that in terms of these autonomous-driven cars for uh, lift services, for delivery services, and that sort of thing. At what point, then, do we at the consumer level really kick in and, and start buying these or, or looking at buying these and, and when we're talking about our next automobile purchase? We might not. I mean, I think that there's a, a pretty good case to be made uh, that it wouldn't make sense financially or practically to own a car uh, in the in the you know somewhat not far away future. Uh, if everything is, is gets down to the right price point where uh, it is actually cheaper to have the self-driving Jaguar show up at your door within minutes and take you uh, quickly and without you know traffic delays because. In the future, if all these things are automated, in theory, we wouldn't have uh, traffic delays anymore. Uh, there might not be any sense to buying one of these things or buying any kind of car. Uh, and that's the drastic change that the story starts poking into a little bit, is uh, cities might have to be redesigned. Um, instead of super highways going through the middle of a city and dividing it into the good side and the bad side or whatever, uh, we may have like tubes or tunnels or lanes at least that are only for autonomous cars uh, and they might be designed in a different way and uh, places like uh, you know alphabet might be interested in having a hand in redesigning these for their own you know purposes and good uh, but we don't have time to think this through and uh, the unintended consequence of the uh, you know the automobile was sprawl 
and divided cities and pollution. And, uh, you know, of course, having a car uh, society, I think in many ways is better than a horse and buggy society, uh, but it does come with consequences. And this is coming on us really quick, and it may have the same level of consequences. And conversely, it is not an easy thing to redesign a city. All you have to do is look at a place like Boston or any major metro that has undergone huge infrastructure to see that. Everybody could see that, I think, if they if they travel about and think about it. But one thing I want you to think about here, Robert, is if Waymo says we're going to do a million trips each day by 2020 in this fleet, what about the downtime? What about the repair time? What about the time to clean that interior? I don't want to drive around and or rent a disgusting automobile, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the answer to that is, uh, you know, Alphabet is, is or, you know, Waymo is giving us a, uh, you know, best case rosy scenario of, you know, what their service will be. But they're also saying it's just the beginning. Uh, and so, yeah, they're buying 20,000 vehicles. Now, they, they had a purchase uh, not that long ago with Chrysler uh, for the minivans that I talked about earlier. But, you know, this is their first purchase of a mass production of self-driving cars. Uh, I think they have plans of having so many of these on hand uh, that somehow they're going to have them rotating around. So while they're charging, while they're being repaired, uh, while they're being cleaned, you know, another one will show up. Um, you know, I don't doubt it. You know, I live in I live in Austin, Texas, and uh, you know when Lyft and Uber first became kind of a thing, uh, I couldn't I didn't quite understand uh, just how different it would be from like a taxi cab. You know, it's like okay, so we're basically privatizing taxi cabs, but it's it's remarkably different. And anybody who's used one knows that uh, it's not. Uh, hail a cab if you see one going by you or call the cab company and hope they show up, you know, within 30 minutes. It's literally, you know, 20 cars on your little map circling around your spot where you are. Uh, and so, and so I think it's that kind of change where, um, it's going to be so different than what we expect that, uh, we, you know, we'll get used to it, but we can't really quite imagine it right now. Sounds like a paradigm to me. The title of the article that you can find in The Atlantic is The Most Important Self-Driving Car Announcement Yet. We've got links for that article and for Robert Quigley below the audio player. Please do check those out. Robert, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is the best story I've heard today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll share it with others. Thanks for listening. We look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith.